Welcome to Season 2, Episode 62 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got Matthew Aguilar. What's up, everybody? And I got everybody's favorite dynamic duo back together, uh, not really because you demanded it, but because of just the situation called for it. Brandon Davis, Charlie Ridgely are back with us. Hello. And uh, yeah, we had to bring these two on because um, these guys are kind of going out and my three co-hosts are, are some of the privileged few to have insight on some of the big, new, exciting content we're finally getting after a long summer with COVID-19. Mr. Brandon Davis has seen Tenet, Mr. Charlie Ridgely, Mr. Matt Aguilar, and Mr. Brandon Davis, I believe, have all seen The Boys Season 2, or at least they've seen what we will all see next week when the first three episodes hit Amazon. And Have, uh, you, I know, have you not watched you know, The Boys yet? No, I'm, I'm savoring it. There were enough people on staff that watched it, I quietly just sat on the sidelines. Because I, I like to savor it. It's it's like a show I like to watch. watch. Understandable. Yeah. Understand that. Yeah. So uh, I pick. Like, well, you don't want to. You don't want to binge it all at once, Kofi. You want to wait and you know watch it on a on a different you know on a release schedule. You don't want to just, just watch it all at one time. It's just got very interesting. I love how he already started crap five minutes. Yeah, I know. In. We haven't even gotten to the intro yet. We're like five started. seconds in. This is why you I, don't come on the show. Yeah, I, I believe in the old American <laughs> credo of walking and chewing gum. So there might be sometimes I want to binge two episodes and sometimes I want might want to just wait and do the weekly talk with everybody. I don't I don't have a set thing. I'm not a robot. I'm Preach Kofi Preach. Still with you. <laughs> Thankfully Amazon's offering me options. So uh, these guys have seen the boys. Uh, so we're gonna talk about all that. So we can tell you spoiler free reviews about Tenet and the boys kind of give your impressions and uh it's it's i mean it's more valuable than ever especially in the case of tenant with a lot of people and what's going on still with the pandemic there are a lot of people who are kind of on the fence about getting back to theaters so uh mr brandon davis is going to be able to kind of break down in loose terms what this movie experience is like and you know how he felt kind of being back in the theater and, and doing that whole thing so we're going to be seeing, we'll be seeing Charlie again soon because this weekend New Mutants comes out and uh, in theaters. Oh, God. So he gets to take his big asterisk victory lap and tell us. Nothing like that. Out. Obligatory release for the win. Yeah. So next week he'll be back for that. So you guys have a lot to look forward to. But beyond our deep dives into the boys and Tenet, we also have some good stuff to talk about on the news front. We're going to do a little cleanup about DC fandom and kind of talk about how that event was received. We're going to talk about Netflix's Resident Evil series and what first details we just learned about that. Mr. Brandon Davis, it's good you're here. I was kind of sorry you weren't going to be here at first for this first part because uh, we're going to talk about Fortnite going full Marvel and uh, why your life just got much more exciting. And we're on the comics front. We got, to, we got to talk about new comics, especially DC's Three Jokers debut. And uh, yeah. I feel like if you can't see anybody, everybody's faces, there's going to be a, a, a lively discussion about that. So we're going to talk about three <laughs> jokers. All right, let's get started at the top. Uh, DC Fandom. So DC Fandom, we told you we did the preview. We did the recap of all the big stuff we saw. And, you know, our general impression was that DC did a good job uh, with the caveat that they even did, they did a kind of three-card money trick with uh, maybe not having all – the most spectacular content in the world, but the way they presented it, the way they created the event and the way they presented it um, made it really exciting for like a couple of trailers, <laughs> one of which is a movie we've seen technically before and some concept art, but uh, they did a great job and I wasn't the only one who thought so and because 22 million people apparently kind of streamed <sighs> DC fandom during its uh, 24 hour run. So, I mean, this is a hit and I think it's safe to say for me, 
that this was like the best of these virtual convention attempts that I've seen since, you know, COVID hit and everybody tried to do their kind of different version of things. It was much more successful to me than Comic-Con at home. Um, and I think it, it was smart that they did some things like streamlining it and cutting the kids stuff, putting that on a later date, like right late in the game and kind of focusing in on the big stuff, like, you know, the movies, the games that they had uh, and, and quietly skirting around some other things like TV. Like we, like we said, they didn't do like the whole HBO max DC rollout and what that's all about. We kind of quietly sidestepped that, but that's okay. Cause we all had fun and we saw some Batman stuff. So that's, uh, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good sign. And I mean, if we've been wondering, you know, I, we did a whole thing about if Marvel was ready for its own convention. And I think this just answered the question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. DC just nailed a convention of all DC stuff, like virtually during a pandemic. So like, if we ever get back to anything, uh, any kind of semblance of holding these things, either semi-normal, um, yeah, Marvel's pretty much ready. That kind of answers that question, right? Like Marvel's ready to smash it out of the park and do more than just a phase four presentation. They can do a whole Marvel kind of presentation if they want. So anybody got any feelings about the numbers? I think it's like proof that this was a huge hit. And I, I mean, it like, I think like, you covered everything. Um, it was tremendously successful. It was nice how like we had like the huge bits during the big panels and then you had space like an hour in between so that both the fans could digest it and us reporters could get all the content uh, on the site. And then it was like back to it. Uh, the Aquaman panel was the only awkwardly disappointing panel. And that's only because you're comparing it to other panels that were so had such big reveals and things like that, that that generated a lot of excitement. Whereas Aquaman was more of just a recap when everybody's mind was trained to expect news. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think Marvel could, the thing is, I don't know that Marvel could do this right now. And you all know I'm a huge Marvel fan. It's no secret, but I don't know that they could do this right now. Like all they can do is really like Black Widow's trailer would have the same impact as Wonder Woman, both because, because we, we know so much about both of those movies already. They were both supposed to be out. So the promotional trains left the station a long time ago. I mean, we could get Eternals and Shang-Chi footage, I mean, they have plenty, in, but they already released their schedule and everything and the titles. So I feel like barring casting or, or, or characters, like there, there's not all that much left for Marvel to reveal right now. So I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all about the TV at that, like, for reveal standpoint. Like, that's what they've got to yeah, reveal. And, like, that's and that's where it all lies. They're, they're very strategic. And I think the reason they've been so quiet is because there's so much uncertainty. And like, you know, they don't want to go promote anything anymore if they don't know when it's coming for sure. Why put out another trailer with a release date that might end up being wrong? So I think that's why they've been so quiet. But I, I think there's something up their sleeve. Like we saw Grace Randolph, you know, have your opinion of her as you will. Uh, she's been right. She's been wrong before. But she said the Mandalorian trailer was supposed to come last week. And if that rumor was true, uh, then I think it was Disney saying, hold on, let's see how DC fandom goes. And, and we don't want to have anything get buried by everything Warner Brothers is about to release. So I think it's about to start happening, but I don't know if we'll get a Marvel event like that. I prefer in-person Comic-Cons, but for what we're doing now, like for the circumstances the world is in, I loved DC Fandom. I thought it was by far not even close, far and beyond the best event available this year. For oh, yeah. Comic-Con at home yeah. was not even... Yeah, we, don't, we shouldn't even speak of Comic-Con. Yeah, that was not even at... I mean, you know, on, on one hand, like they, they have an advantage for being all in one company, you know, like, like, Hey, yeah. we're doing this thing. We own you do this, but 
it, like they still, even for having those abilities, they, they pulled it off really well. I mean, there were technical hiccups here and there. There were some issues, but like, how do you let it, your biggest trailers? It was a great leave. event from day. How do you it let was, your biggest trailers and, yeah, of the day? I don't know that the person this, flipping those switches didn't, wasn't familiar. Yeah, I don't know that yeah. this er, in this era that's going to happen now nine times. Like it happens with games too. Like games, all the details leak before the before the announcements it's every week oh hey this announcement's happening on friday and it gets leaked on tuesday it happens everywhere brandon like it's it's just the thing of the terms of movies it happens with warner brothers more than anyone else and i think i think i think it was like this thing came together so fast that the tech team behind dc fandom might not have been able to get to like the extra security behind yeah i was gonna say like it seemed like most of these leaks were just the people who were just better kind of web programmers yeah. or, or hackers who knew areas of that site that that people didn't have time to kind of safeguard or put the crazy security It's still in wild that trailers for the Batman got out I mean, early. But they had to be. They had to be loaded into that site somewhere. Yeah. And just it was a matter of who could figure out where. And they fi- followed Riddler's clues and they found that. Thing. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that took away from no, the overall no, I, I almost said, I almost said like, best, at this point, like, I need my grainy DC things. And I'm so glad somebody made like a Comic-Con version of the Batman trailer because that was very satisfying to me. Because I remember watching that first Suicide Squad, you know, teaser like with the shaky, grainy stuff. I love that stuff. So um, I, yeah, I, I almost feel that. like with the batman with these two specifically with the batman because suicide squad did not leak right that one did not leak no suicide squad did not so batman and snyder cut i feel like if anything it helped them because people had all day on that site to like be like whoa okay so they had all day to process it and talk amongst their friends and like well i don't feel about this and then by the time they finally got revealed if you were in, you were in. It wasn't those muted reactions. You were either ex- one extreme or the other. There wasn't any more of the middle ground when the trailer finally was like pushed. And I know it helped us as a staff. We had it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Wonder Woman trailer didn't leak early, so people didn't have that much time to look at Cheetah before the. I agree. I feel out. like it would have done. It would have done that one a disservice. But I think in those other two. Yeah. yeah, you know, I can, I can say safely that those leaks helped me get at least five people into DC fandom that that weren't previously yeah. watching, because they were like, yeah. "Oh, this is a legit thing. Like, there's something to this. Like, I I want to see what else happens." And so they hopped on. I'm not saying they should go out of their way to do that every yeah, time. No. I'm just saying in this case, I think it worked <laughs> yeah, out. Okay. It, it, ha- it worked. If, out. The, if the trailer's really really good, it I think it helps out, especially like their quality's not quite there. So you want to tune in and see yeah, the real thing. That's what kind of happened, you know. But it catches your eye, it catches your. Attention. I agree. It helped us as a staff, but I wish I didn't see the Batman trailer leaks because when I watched it all grainy, I was like, "That didn't look good." And then I watched it in HD, and I was like, "Wow, that looks amazing." So I don't no, know. I, it helped me. <sighs> that that Vimeo link that Matt Reeves put out that was like full 4K. Oh, like, yeah, oh. that's crazy good. Um, I actually liked the greeny one because it looked like all creepy. He looked like all creepy coming out of that shadow in that first shot. It didn't look like he had eyes. And then like you see it clear and you're like, oh, no, he has eyes. So anyway, they were getting off topic. We did the Batman trailer already. But uh, yeah, I mean, DC fandom nailed it. And DC's still killing it in, in marketing this year. Who would have thought? I mean, crisis marketing is their thing. Crazy, right? Well, Walter, Walter Hamada has done an excellent job in, in his in Yeah. History. Oh, He's no, Walter Hamada is a – a secret weapon and the guy they got from Hulu to start doing uh, um, they took Hulu's old uh, one of the guys who created that and made that into what it is to kind of run their digital stuff and he's quietly doing some good stuff so yeah they got they got people who know what they're doing now so that's good 
Good for you. All right, let's move on from that to some horror. Resident Evil. The uh, you know, popular gaming series is now coming to Netflix as a not the films anymore. So we're getting a Netflix series. Um, it's a we're live action series. Yep, two seasons. And uh, yeah, we got some first details. BD, you sound like you want to take this away. No, no, no. My, I was just joking that we're getting it oh, back. Because, oh, we're not really getting two seasons? Just no, we're not. Thing? Okay. okay. Do, you need, do you need me to run with it? Yeah, yeah. Go. You go okay. for it. <laughs> so, uh, so the season of, of the Netflix Resident Evil show, the showrunner is going to be Andrew, I believe I'm saying this right, Dobb? Am I saying that yes, correctly from Andrew Supernatural? Yeah. Uh, and then Bronwyn. Did I get that one right? Bronwyn Hughes, The Walking Dead, will direct and produce yeah. the first two episodes. Wait, who? There's going to be eight total. Bronwyn Hughes. From The Walking Dead? Yeah. What? That's what our I think he was, article he, he was. He was the writer or one of the, <laughs> one of the live producers. Uh, the most interesting thing about this is the premise because it's actually split into two timelines. Uh, so the, it's just called, as of right now, a Resident Evil. It doesn't have like a tagline or anything. Uh, but one is going to take place in the past. Uh, it's going to, I'll read you the little synopsis here. So in the first timeline, 14-year-old sisters Jade and Billy Wesker are moved to New Raccoon City, a manufactured corporate town forced on them right as adolescence is in full swing. But the more time they spend there, the more they come to realize that the town is more than it seems and their father may be concealing dark secrets. Uh, their father, of course, is Albert Wesker, uh, noted villain of the series. Uh, secrets that could destroy the world. Uh, then the second timeline takes place way in the future, supposedly when he screws everything up. Uh, it says there are less than 15 million people left on Earth, more than 6 billion monsters, uh, people and animals infected with the T-virus. Uh, Jade, now 30, struggles to survive in this new world while the secrets from her past about her sister, her father, and herself continue to haunt her. Too many numbers, I'm out. That is super interesting uh, to me as far as uh, someone who did not like the movies because... Seems like somebody at Resident Evil sat down them. and was playing yeah. The Last of Us and were like... We well, like, know. there's so I many don't... things about Wesker as a villain that have still yet, even that we've had, like, it feels like 20 games in the series. He's not really been explored a ton. This is kind of interesting, taking it from this angle. Uh, I mean, I do hope we get some of the stalwarts like Jill and Chris and Leon and Claire, but I, I kind of like that it's, it's this different of a take. Kofi knows my trigger words. Real quick, before we continue, I do want to say uh, that Brian McHughes is a director. He's a, he's a longtime TV director. He's worked for the last couple decades. Uh, he's done episodes for shows like The Resident, 13 Reasons Why, Better Call Saul, um, Hawaii Five-0, Teen Wolf. He did an episode of Walking Dead Season 10, uh, which was I would Stalker. like to add, before Charlie goes any further, Bronwyn Hughes is a woman, and she's, she wrote a very good episode of Walking Dead. I did not know that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I went I went off a uh, you know, yeah, we, I, I we said he brought I don't know I don't know what yeah. Bronwyn's what that I, is but I yes she the, I went apologies. into the IMDb page and I found her profile and she wrote the stalker episode of Walking Dead which is a big Alexandria vs Whisperers episode from the most recent right. season the second episode she she directed that episode. was it a good episode yeah yeah uh, I mean I think it was the best they could have done with that episode because the first couple episodes of the season, second half were kind of. Uh, the, really you, know, you know how The Walking Dead loves to do a little bit of filler here and there? So it was a little bit of that, but it was really uh, a really well done. I think it was directed by Mikey Satrazemus, if I'm no, not No, she, she directed it. Oh, she directed it. it. Wow, okay. Yes. Yeah, it was good. It was very, like, artsy in its action and stuff, 
uh, if I remember correctly. She directed it. Uh, Jim it was Barnes a huge River. fiery battle outside of the, the hilltop. And some oh, that bodes well. There's and, lots of fire and lots of battles in Resident Evil. Yeah, and like a <laughs> lot of zombies. So it, it, if anybody can do it, it, it sounds yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, that I'm, was like, yeah, it was, a big, it was a good battle scene. I'm not as familiar with Resident Evil as Matt is. Uh, those games terrified me as a kid. Uh, but I've always kind of appreciated the lore and like liked the stories. So I'm very excited. If Matt is excited, I, I'm in. I mean, but yeah, let's just like, let's just be clear. This is the last of us in Resident Evil world. It's, so. I mean, it's got a, well, to a point, but then there are some elements of last of us. Cause I mean, Resident Evil was around first. Oh, I know. I'm not, I'm not doubting, but I, what I can already see they're going for is like, that kind of the kind of time jumps in uh, how these, switch perspective. <laughs> yeah, but things that happen in the present, and then we find out like the context in the past yeah. that's gonna like really that, mess with you. That kind of stuff. To get that sweet yeah. cheap Netflix color grading, especially uh, of two. Yeah, you're cheap, right. Yeah. Like that very much does yeah. read that no, way. I'm saying that because I'm knee deep in two right now. That's yeah. all I've been doing all day. So I'm very Last of Us two on the brain right now. But, I um, think all right. episodes Netflix is good. Wants some big IP so bad, and I respect. Oh yeah. I, I mean, we literally did a piece about how they're trying to create their own Star Wars. Like, yeah, it's a whole operation. Netflix, glad they it's not locked the out with Stranger Things. I'm just yeah. glad it's not the movies. I'm yeah. glad we're going in a different direction because I don't like the movies. <laughs> so right. Everybody's so happy today. Let's move on. So from Resident Evil, we'll keep an eye on that series and tell you what's going on there. Let's talk about Fortnite, something I didn't think we'd be talking about again. <laughs> like, but uh, here we are. I mean, Fortnite's just become like a licensing machine now. Um, and pretty like, much... They're like the Funko Pop of video games. Yeah. It's like a legitimate <laughs> advertising like, <laughs> area. And slash, slash perennial Travis Scott venue. Um, there, there was a Tenet trailer that debuted in Fortnite. Yeah, I know. Oh, until oh, I am Harry Potter holding a rifle in Fortnite gunning down Aquaman. Like pretty soon, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I got killed by Aquaman in Fortnite today. Oh, no, I know. Uh, Aquaman is already there. I'm saying. I know. I'm just saying that happened to me today. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's all. Yeah. They got all the Avengers and, and more. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So, Marvel has come to Fortnite. This is like a collision of everything on BD's social media pages. Um, <laughs> like, in one place. They did it for you, BD. Uh, yeah, so Marvel has come to Fortnite. We got a bunch of skins with Marvel heroes. Uh, we got, like, Wolverine, Black Widow, Storm. So Thor, Black Widow's not there yet, is she? Uh, is she, she not there already yet? there? Oh, I don't know. You guys, you guys take more it importantly, Banana Man or whatever the hell his name is. Healy, thank you. Healy Claus. I was so excited. I know Jack about like the mascots that have become on have that have become a thing on Fortnite anymore. I Healy is officially now part of Marvel Universe canon. Oh Jesus, because this, this this Fortnite game is in canon. I do love the Marvel. His name is Peely? Universe. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Okay. He like so in in Thor number four with Donny Cates that that came out a couple months ago. There's a there's a bit where him and Galactus are going from world to world, and apparently in that montage they go to the Fortnite island because there's a comic that came out today called uh, Nexus uh, Nexus what's it called Nexus Battle Nexus War yeah 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 Um, and the comic is free digitally on Marvel Unlimited. It is also on the battle page the the battle pass screen on Fortnite. So there's a comic line on the ground you can pick it up and read it so Peter and it's is a story of surfer no he's just he, yeah sure he's just in he's in canon now it all counts because wow. it's all a comic in marvel donny cates wrote the Fortnite comic it all counts this is a surreal. i just want to know if galactus is going to devour the map and we're getting a third map in Fortnite. i don't know i don't know but there's already some like there's a whole place where there's a bunch of dead sentinels laying around that you can go explore 
and there's a Doctor Doom's like Doctor Doom's a boss, and there's he has this whole like little rundown Doctor mansion and stuff. Been a boss Charlie. Well, I mean, he's uh, a boss in Fortnite. You have to fight and get abilities and stuff. So okay, um, so who here is still playing Fortnite? Question. I'm I always jump back in when stuff like this happens. I got I'm back on. Something. I'm not downloading anything. I got back on recently because Call of Duty Warzone sucks. Like I just like maybe you were okay. all in on that game. Man. I was all in on that game, and now I just like you got aim bots. You got a bunch of stuff that like I get mentally exhausted playing Call. Yeah, of Duty. that's a high stress. When, when Brandon gets when Brandon gets suspended from uh, from Rocket League, he has to go play Fortnite for a little while. Yeah, I did get suspended from Rocket League. Um, <laughs> I call my teammates trash too many times. So, uh, listen, you call Pete, you can't, you can't type the word trash anymore. Like, I got, that's too oh much. I got suspended. BD5 playing a game with a uh, seven-year-old? Yeah. You mentally kid. He should have been better at the game. If he's playing on a diamond level, you know what? Come to play. Come to play. Mommy, yeah, Brandon anyway. Davis. Brandon Davis from Comic Book said I was trash. Brandon Davis anyway. has his own, uh, his own like uh, T Pain vocalizer, and it's all changes his voice. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not actually talking. I am typing this stuff on my Xbox. I, t- I if I get bad you team, suck, like, man. You're tr- I, I type out T R A S H. You're you're I trash t- at this game. But anyway, I'm back on Fortnite because it's way less stressful than anything else I play. I can play Fortnite with Hot Hands Viscardi. I can play Fortnite with my friends. I'm all on that. I'm, I've been on that Fall Guys thing right now, but that's a whole other thing. I play one game of Fortnite or one game of Call of Duty Warzone. I come in 42nd place, and there goes a half hour. So angry. Yeah, oh, all right. So, anyway, Marvel stuff is on Fortnite if you guys want to check it out. It looks like a bit of fun. Um, I might be tempted to download it. I need something. My son watches me play a lot. Download Rocket League. Handle, I need a teammate. Don't be trash. He can't handle, uh, he can't handle a thing. I'm going to go as Peely for Halloween. But uh, anyway, check out Fortnite. Um, we're going to take a break, pay some bills. But when we come back, we're going to deep dive into some comic stuff. Then we're going to get some re- a review from t- about Tenet from BD. And these guys are going to talk about the boys while I chill. Because technically, it is my day off. So stay tuned for all of that. Right, we're back, Matthew. We're gonna talk comics this week. Uh, why don't you talk to us about what's come out this week, and uh, we'll end on the one that we're gonna kind of uh, jump into. Three okay. Jokers. All right. So of course, yes, Three Jokers uh, is the big name, but yeah, we will get to it in a bit. So uh, other things though did come out uh, from DC. Wonder Woman number seven sixty one. This is the third issue in the sort of not relaunch, but a new creative team that has won rave reviews. If you took a break from Wonder Woman and you've been looking for an opportunity to kind of get invested in a story again, go three issues back. This has been excellent so far. Uh, It's been a minute since Wonder Woman's been really this good. So definitely check that out. Uh, Of course, Teen Titans annual number two is actually the like end epilogue, really not even epilogue. It's like really a climax to the Teen Titans run. And I mean, we're going to get into, spoilers are fine here, right? Okay, so uh, it ends with kind of the thing that's been building this entire time, which is that Damian Wayne finally is still dealing with his grief over Alfred and is like trying to straight up kill folks in this book. (laughs) And he he chopped off KGB's arm last issue. And here he's trying to kill Deathstroke. And he just goes full on fight against Batman, like renounces the Robin name and kind of goes off in his own direction, which has been kind of building for a long time in the Titans series. And it's just been this bubbling thing. 
that's really it's like it was really interesting and I'm, I'm i'm interested to see where they take damien next and this pretty much kills the titans book as a as a whole i think for a bit um so i mean if you've been interested they don't really bill it as the climax but if you've been reading titans this is really needed like you can't just not disregard this issue most annuals are tie-ins and fill but this is actually something you should check out uh over on the marvel side we have uh x-factor number two uh, which we were a little split on one did you get a chance to read this Kofi? x-factor number two yeah no i mean i barely got through number one so i was (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a little divisive i feel like uh i will be interested to hear what you think about two at some point you know how Um, i feel about north star has that changed Okay, well, I'll take a look. <laughs> uh, we also have Star Wars Dr. Afra number three. Uh, we then have a few books. Mega Man uh, got his own series, uh, thanks to Boom Studios in Fully Charged number one. Uh, and then we have a few uh, smaller titles, uh, Lock and Key. I know uh, Charlie's a big Lock and Key fan. Lock and Key in Pale Battalions Go number one is out. Uh, we also have Grit number two, that weird like Witcher slash slaughterhouse book that actually is it gets way funnier in this issue like they don't do as much of the blood and guts it's still there but it's it's a lot funnier like this heck, this issue actually has like hints of like uh almost like calvin and Hobbes style humor mixed with all this crazy supernatural stuff it's kind of cool uh and then we have no heroin number two which was uh the first issue made the rounds kind of as one of those books to watch this year uh so definitely check that out if you're looking for something new so that is the rest of the books but the biggest one to come out of course is three jokers uh which is from dc black label the long delayed jeff johns jason uh series that was supposed to kind of deal with all these things teased and rebirth so long ago and now it feels rebirth now three years it's 2016 four years 2016 and then this was teased and then uh this wasn't this teased shortly after uh watchmen and then i mean it's been so many delays that i don't remember yeah so uh anyway and and this post like 5g is not happening so now we're de- like it it's so weird to sticks out like sore thumb but uh what did you guys think about this book just as a book in itself without some of the major ripple things it's a compelling story to me, but I don't know if I feel like there's a direction to it. Yeah. Like it's basically just a compendium of DC kind of canon and history. And I, I don't think the thing I thought about at the end as the major hiccup to this book is I don't feel like the actual three jokers are distinct or are distinct in kind of, as characters to yeah. even justify this being a story necessarily. Um, yeah. There's two of them. I could tell the one who is like, uh, you know, the one with the, the comedian one from yeah. Alan Moore's origin story, but the other two, and I know one's like related to Jason Todd's story and that one from death yeah, and the they, family to the bat family. Yeah. yeah. Their own way. But like the original one, Cause, and then, like, some of that stuff with the Moxon family and Joe Chill and all that, like, that's so, like, far back and, like, mixed in with so much other stuff that it's just, like, uh, it's almost like an exposition. Like, it's a visual exposition yeah. kind, of, kind of thing. Like, it's like looking at a bunch of comic creators get together and be like, oh, we have this continuity snag. Like, what do we do about it? 
and somebody drew pictures of them talking about it and like well and that's what's crazy is that that's what jeff johns does really well is that in a lot of his previous runs that was his thing he would come in it was green lantern it was flash it was all these characters that their continuity and their characters were a mess and he would take all these little bits of lore and pieces of their origin that made sense and other pieces that didn't and he would play with those and then turn those and by the end of it you had a kind of streamlined core version of the character and he did that with the titans when he hopped on them way back when so jsa he did a great job with those but here he was it's like but I don't have a problem with the. It wasn't actually. If you go back and read some of I mean, uh, I, I, Green Lantern I stuff, it wasn't. Yeah, Green Lantern. So, uh, <laughs> the, all the yeah, stuff with Wally and the Flash, I thought was so well done and so. Flash like, Rebirth? Oh my god! No, 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 very no, 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 no. Pre Rebirth. Pre Rebirth. Okay. Like, like. No, when, I mean when Flash when Rebirth. Oh, yeah. not oh, Rebirth I, as I an event. Flash Rebirth, bringing back Barry Allen and all that. I. His he hasn't Jeff Johns really to me hasn't been subtle since his Titan days. It that but again I don't mind that I loved his Green Lantern stuff. I'm just saying it's not it's not necessarily like all nuanced. It was he hit a couple of key concepts. No, it's like here's some emotional things. It's Roy G. Biv. Like it's not it's not <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not subtle. I, I think that can work. It's just less dumb than old school. You've story got character, like, like a character like Barry and, and Wally and the Flash where it's like yeah. it is a fun thing. The the Joker and Batman are not like this jovial, goofy thing. And I think when he's trying to do, he's trying to play it the right way and play it serious. And I just, I think it comes across as like, I have themes and things to say. I Listen mean, to them. Here they are. But that's and it's just like, oh, that, I know no, whether saying, that's it good not or not. Fit, it does not fit with these characters or this tone at all. I, I think I didn't. Okay. So coming at it from, from me i didn't feel like this was the same tone he had with the other characters he would play i mean green lantern was all about dealing with regret death grief and fear flash was all about my role in the universe and my family and i'm always giving myself to be the hero like it was all these deep kind of deeper themes with all the superhero trappings on top this is very much pain and loss and where you fit in family. It's that same type of theme. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. What I have a problem with really is it's not maybe even necessarily his fault. This is a solution in search of a problem. It made sense back when Rebirth started that you kind of wanted to bring these different concepts and versions of the Joker and these key characters into one or to this understandable whole. Since then, and since editorial changes and since direction changes, this isn't needed. DC is leaning into its multiverse more and more these days. DC is, is not really, it doesn't need this. You can kind of have that vagueness out there about which Joker is, is what. It, it doesn't need that defining. So now all of a sudden we have this like dissertation on <laughs> these three different versions of the Joker. And, I, and it's out of place because this book was announced forever ago. And it doesn't and, and, fit and, and the landscape. And you're kind of tying into what Kofi said, I think, too. Like, the, the Jokers are not, they're not different. They're, they were from different points okay. of Batman's history, yeah. but they didn't like, and it's, it's just bring in like Cesar yeah. Romero as one of the Jokers and like have this guy who's not violent and is just goofy as hell. Like that, that would have been a very, different. Yeah. yeah. It's but, because like if the Jokers become so much more complicated too as a character and grown so much again since then that like there's shades of there's so much stuff in here that these aren't even clear cut comic no. eras. It's like the one in the middle, the Jason Todd one is, is obviously influenced by Ledger's Joker 
I mean, he kind of does that laugh with a he, mm-hmm. ho, ho, ha, and he just keeps saying all the uh, kind of anarchist stuff. Then there's like the old Super Friends Joker who was like the master criminal, the plotter, that guy. And he's also mixed with a bunch of classic Joker stuff. And then you have the Alan Moore one when he turned 80, super violent and kind yeah. of dark and, and crazy like that. But like there's also other things in him too. And, the, and so the kind of two crazy Jokers are still comedic. The plotted one's not. Like it's just kind of, like yeah. you said, I think it's ironic that the best parts of this story are everything that happens when there's not Jokers on the screen mm. or on the panels. Agreed. J- like Jason the investigation Todd, is actually yeah, good. Batgirl and, and Batman and that's, pull that's back and forth. I think the most frustrating part to me, like I already think the Joker's an overdone character, but that's a whole, that's a personal issue. I agree. Um, and the end, when you get to the end, and I, spoilers if you haven't read oh, yeah, it, spoilers like, the, for the book ends with Jason Todd killing one of the Jokers, which when you think about Batman lore is a huge deal, even though it doesn't really mean anything because it's a one Joker out of what could be more than three. But the idea of what it's going to do to Jason, you know, mentally, what it's going to do to his relationship with Batman, what it's going to do to Batman. And I think the ideas and the themes and like what you could do with that one action going forward are really like, it's a really cool thing to explore. It's got a lot of options. I'm after reading this, I'm not confident that it's going to be all that interesting and how it explores it. Um, but I think the potential just from that one idea was there to have something really good. Um, and I'm frustrated that I, it doesn't seem like that's what we're going to get. That line at the forward. end is my, is my favorite line where Todd's looking at him. He's like, well, I hope that was the right one. And it's like, he's, he's making it. It's all, it's a joke when it it's is. like Jason Todd should be experiencing like this deep, like what oh, he no, wants to I, be I cathartic. And he doesn't feel that like, he yeah. doesn't feel that he's he feels empty after he did the thing he said he was always going to do because he realizes he just like there's so much to explore and we're not we're not getting that that's I not think the book we we're will I, but i think we will get that as we move on i love the whole back and forth with barbara and him yeah that's what i'm saying like each scene that wasn't about the joker that was about batman and the investigation or the decisions they have to make are all really good I love the aquarium scene and when they, and how creepy it is when they find the tank full of like clown fish and yeah. and the gaggy comes back and this whole thing and that's a, yeah that's and a, just, that's and a pulling things like yeah, yeah pulling that thing <laughs> out and like pulling stuff out like that like that's fun like that was all fun yeah. and the Barbara and the Jason and how much history there is there and kind of unpacking that stuff and two characters you don't expect to necessarily see talking and be like the kind of spotlight together like. All that stuff is great. It's just the Joker stuff. Like you said, it just feels like unnecessary and old. So, yeah, I don't know. it's a bummer. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it, though, because we're going to probably be debating this issue by issue. But that's uh, three Jokers out now from DC. How many issues are there going to be in this? Uh, there's only, I believe, three. Three. I need to uh, yeah, I need to double check, too. But Good. I feel like it's all part of I was that. worried you're going to be like, 12. No, no, no. But I wouldn't be. Am- no. <laughs> okay, but uh, knowing... <laughs> Knowing John's as rep lately, it would I would not, not be. I would not all. doubt that this was like a six month ordeal just to get three issues. But you know, let's hope not. All right, since BD was kind of on the sidelines for that one, let's throw to him now, and he's going to be telling us about Tenet. He actually got to go to an IMAX theater, like one of two people or something crazy like that, who got to go see uh, Tenet in IMAX and in, in uh, good relative safety. So, uh, BD, take it away. He's going to give us a spoiler-free. This will be spoiler-free because we don't know how many, like, when some of us are ever going to get to see Tenet. So, going back, spoiler-free review. and Or maybe he already gave you the spoilers and we've already just come, yeah, like Matt said, back to the beginning where he just didn't spoil anything. 
We'll let him tell you which way he's going. Um, BD, take it away. How's Tenet, man? Was it worth going back in the theater? I mean, that's for – I'm not going to make that decision. No, not for everybody else. For you. We're just talking for you. Let's be um, clear. Yeah, I, sure this is. I – I, this, this, I, I, listen, I don't know if this is biased because I've, this is my first movie I've seen, like new good movie that I was excited for in half of a year. Uh, this might be my new favorite movie. I am obsessed with Tenet. I like ever? It. I mean, ve- Inception like of one of my favorite like- movies ever. If that gives you any perspective, like Inse- if anybody asks what's your favorite movie, I'd be like Inception, The Dark Knight, The Avengers – Austin Powers too, uh, but those were always in my kind of like favorite movies ever. That one sticks out so much. Man, a Pineapple Express. Uh, but Tenet, man. Tropic Thunder. I'm ashamed. Honestly, I I cannot wait to see it again. Um, I I'm very happy. Like I feel very lucky that I got to see it in an IMAX theater. There was four people in 450 seats. I mean, there was nobody within 50 feet of me. So it's easy for me to go to the movies and see it. And I know other people aren't going to be totally comfortable. Uh, because if you look at the seat maps where your tickets are on sale, there might be a hundred people in your theater. And I get it. Like, you know, that's not an ideal situation right now, especially in certain parts of the country and the world. Um, but if you do go see this movie, if you are on the fence or you do decide you feel comfortable going to a theater, you won't be mad that you watch this movie. Uh, I would say I'm, I can only talk about it spoiler free, but like I, even to try to spoil it, I would ha- like it would take so much time to try to spoil this movie to explain what happened to you in a in a simplified version that you would have time to tell me to shut up a hundred times over and and close out the podcast. It is very complex and okay. So my my biggest complaint will probably be the second act is very exposition heavy. It gets a little bit long, but the like it, that you come to expect that in any Nolan movie. And there's actually one point where Pattinson says. Uh, don't try to understand it, just do it to, to John David Washington's character. Um, I think that's who says it and who he says it to. But I, was, I wrote down at that point in the film, I was like, you know what? That might be in my notes for this review, which isn't a good thing. But then when it all comes together and they, they don't hit you over the head with the explanation. So I think a lot of people are going to have questions about it and they're going to have their own interpretations of it. But when it all comes together, it, it la- the payoff lands so tremendously. Like, it is such a smart, smart movie. And then you go back to the few things that you really do remember from the beginning. Like, even the opening shot, there's, it's so genius because there, the, one of the, in the opening scenes, there's a scene, and you, this is in the trailer, but there's a sequence where they're being inter- – where John David Washington and one of his – like, some guy who ends up not being very important um, are being interrogated on train tracks – and on one side of the screen, you got a train going this way. And on the other side of the train screen, you got a train going this way. And that is just so symbolic of the entire film in a way that I can't even explain to you. And you're not even going to understand if I try until you see the movie. And it's just Nolan being an absolute genius. The, the cinematics of the film, it's a spectacle. Everything is practical and it makes it like it, it enhances the film. I don't know if like movie people who aren't movie buffs will even care about that because I'm sure, I'm sure CGI could probably accomplish very similar things at this point in filmmaking technology. But when you know that and you watch this, it really blows you away even more. Uh, like John David Washington, put this guy in everything. Put him, he's so good. He Like if he's not John Stewart after this, I don't know what-, what Yeah, he's, and I love the people that are finally get, like, getting on the John David Washington train. Cause I remember like when we when we would talk about Ballers, like me. at the Why beginning, when Ballers first started, it was like, oh, my God, he was he was like this guy. 
He oh, was, he was, what are you Oh my God! You're like blowing Brandon's mind right now. He was from day one, dude. I forgot he was my favorite character on Ballers. Like he was, he was what drew me. Like when I watched first episode of that show, I liked The Rock, but I was like, I like this guy. And then I read about him, was like, oh, that's Denzel's kid. Like that's why I like this guy. I didn't even make that connection. I'm an idiot. Wow, he's fantastic. But also, man, I mean, Pattinson, he kills it. That is absolutely my Batman. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki is fantastic. She's really good. She's great in everything. Man. She's just been crushing Hollywood. She was really good. If anyone on just a side note on, on demand right now, there's a movie called the Burnt uh, the Burnt Orange Heresy. Very weird movie, but she's fantastic in it. The the score for the movie, I, it's not Hans Zimmer this time. It's um, it's Ludwig. It's Ludwig, isn't it? It's Ludwig Gorenson. It's Ludwig, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's got... The Mandalorian, Black Panther. Yeah, but you, it's got, like, the, the score, it's hard not to pick up, like, the echoes of Inception, like, like because it's a very pulse-pounding, like, heavy, like, bomb, bomb, like, that kind of stuff that you get in Nolan movies. But, it, I mean, like, there's even scenes where, like, characters are just planning stuff, and it's, it's really an expositional sequence, but the camera's doing a 360, and the music is pulse-pounding, and it keeps, like, it just keeps you going. Like, at one point, I felt myself in my seat going Wah. like this, like, rocking back and forth, because I was so excited. And then when everything pays off, I, I'm going to gush over this movie. I mean, it's, it's five and a half stars for me. It's the second I time the word gush is in here in this podcast. What is happening? Dude, I, I love it. No, it's weak. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, what? And the thing about it, I, I want to say this to end this because I, I'm just kind of being so vague and I feel like I'm saying the same stuff over and over. It is an amazing experience to see this movie in IMAX, to see it on the biggest screen, to, to have a sound system that shakes the floor. It's amazing. But if you don't have the option to go to a theater or you don't feel comfortable going to a theater or all of the above, it is such a clever and complex experience that I, I truly believe when it does hit home release however whatever shape that takes whether it's on demand or blu-ray or download whatever you will still have a satisfying experience watching this movie on a tel- on a television in on your couch it, I, I think it is enhanced undoubtedly i understand the argument it is enhanced it is it is meant to be watched on that imax screen it takes up the whole giant screen and the sound system is it roars but it's such a good story it's so cleverly executed that people are still going to enjoy this when they inevitably watch it at home. Yeah, because then you can hit rewind. I can, dude, I, I can't wait to see, see what it. I, did I, there? I, could- I can't wait to get it when it comes home Panic. to play it backwards and see what happens. I want to see, yeah. Oh, that'd be good, too. And, yeah, I want to see. I just want to get to the end and start it over just like <laughs> Memento. That's classic Nolan. When that went off in the theater and I was just like, please, I need to see that again. Please. I've been, I've been watching back through the Nolan stuff ahead of Tenet and – I still have to, I, Dark Knight's the, one of the only ones I have left to watch, but I still think Memento, yeah, Memento. Is, is his best, most exciting. I, oh my God, Memento is so said, I, I know we're going to get a lot of traffic on the site and a lot of views on videos from Tenet Explained. Like, people are going to have questions. Fun fact, fun fact. Uh, I invented the ending Explained post for Inception 10 years ago. That's a fact. TM. Yeah, Charlie looks skeptical. You can there's look it up. Honestly, that was the first no one. Way. There was uh, well, no way think about it. What was ending? What was there ending to explain before I mean, that? Yeah, there was definitely no Iron Man. Oh, I have a question. Post credit yeah. scene explained before that. There was no way. So I invented that in a drunken haze at Comic Con ten years ago because the editor of the owner of the other site I worked for was like, people have a lot of questions in this Inception movie. I mean, there certainly we should wasn't get like, something together. 
Charlie it does still look skeptical. Like you can Google it, Charlie. Explained. Try to Google so something I, earlier. So I have a question. Being explained. Oh, That's wait, not Matt, related. Matt? That's Matt? not really related to that. So I have a, I have a question. Um, when okay, because and I know it's hard to describe this movie because you can't go into spoilers and things like that. But just taking it from a macro perspective, if a if a movie leaves you, did it personally leave you with with having being unclear about what happened in the movie, how things should I like, is it kind of like, will everybody leave it with that way? And at that point, is it, is that mean that's the movie's fault for not conveying that thought to the audience? Or is it just something that there's hidden layers of complexity? Like, I, I want to know, like, is this movie kind of full of itself and doesn't explain things enough? Or is it genuinely deep and genuinely complex that it kind of just needs multiple watches? Like, I think... I think I interpreted the whole thing in one watch. I okay. think there was, there was a moment where the third act begins. Um, it, I, like, it's hard to this. Like, yeah. there's a moment where the third act begins, and there's a conversation that happens kind of through a window, and that's all I'll say. So anybody who's listening to this, when they know, when they see the movie, they'll know what I'm talking about. That doesn't spoil anything, though. There's a conversation that happens through a window. And I was watching it, and you see it from both sides of the window, and I, had, I was really confused. I was like this why like how does this even make sense if this is happening why is that happening if that happened why is this happening and then it explains it again after that and it explains it a third time after that not by telling you but by showing you and i think there's going to be a lot of like it's going to be there are questions where like i've had questions like even after the movie you see in the trailer when they say like you have to drop the bullet to pick it up or whatever and i'm kind of like how does that even like how does that work but there are, there are explanations for all of it, I think. The more you think about it, the more you will be able to explain it to yourself if you were really watching the movie. Okay. Maybe people are going to call me crazy. I defend Lost to its grave. So, so <laughs> Second you know. ending explained post I ever did. I knew Lost was going to make its way into the conversation. But yeah, that was my question. I didn't know. I can't, I can't, I can't date your – I found your story, Kofi. You're originally talking about I can't date it because they, they refreshed it. On August 6, 2020. Oh, I know. You just so click, I can't. Uh, uh, it came out the day Inception came out. That's when I posted it. There will be more. Uh, there will. There will. I, I have plenty of like comparisons to Lost in this of this movie in my head already, and not because I'm a Lost fan, but because there is literally a quote in Tenet, which is a very important quote from Lost, and uh, it's going to draw inevitable comparisons, like unquestionable comparisons, and I, I, it's either people Sounds are going like to like a post it. BD is writing. <laughs> I think I listen. I loved it. Five stars for me. Are one of my favorite films. I can't wait to see it again. Bottom line. Awesome. All right, that's Tenant. We will be back to kind of uh talk about that more when we can all when the trickle of us all possibly seeing it eventually. All right. I'm gonna throw to you three guys. Spoiler free. Tell us now that the embargo is up. How is the boys season two? What's going on with this show? Is this about to kick off? Because this isn't going to be a fall TV season, unlike any other before us. Yeah. Are we still going to be taken care of with the boys season two? It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's so good. It's awesome. It's awesome. Wow, that was easy. I, this it's infuriatingly good. Yeah. That's Comic I, Book Nation. Thank you. To, for to give context, so a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Umbrella Academy. And I said, I didn't make it through the, through the first episode of the season. And I said, there was something I can't talk about that I was watching right before I watched that season that kind of informed my opinion a bit. 
So I had watched the first, at that point, three episodes of the season. I've since watched the whole thing. But I watched the first three episodes of the season right before I watched Umbrella Academy. And seeing how they're two totally different shows, totally different tones. So I'm not comparing like apples to oranges here. I, I know they both do different things. But as far as like how a second season handles moving you with momentum from where the first season ended to this new arc and introducing new characters and plot devices, it was like night and day. So like I watched those first three, I was pumped. And then I went and watched Umbrella Academy. And that's why I felt, I feel like that's why I felt so stilted is because I was like, oh my God, you hit the ground running in season two of The Boys. Like there's, they, and not just from like an action set piece or anything like that, but it's from like emotional points. It's from character interactions. There's just, it keeps you moving. You're, you're hooked on where your favorite group is at that point in time. You want to see where Billy figures into it. You, you're interested to see like the fallout from the seven stuff that happened at the end. Like it, and it just keeps you moving. And then while it's doing that, it does all the craziness that you like come to expect of like, there's a ton of blood and guts in the season. There's, we've it, seen it. Is, it, it is far, it is darker. Yes. It's crazier. It is weirder than season one by leaps and bounds. And so delightfully weird. I know. I hate <laughs> so, how happy I am when I watch this. It, oh my God, it drives me crazy. I was Dude, watching this scene. with Anissa in the room and I kept going, <gasps> and and she was like, what are you doing? And I would like have my like mouth covered. I was just like, oh my God, like that's nuts. And not always just from like a gory thing, just from like, they just drop sometimes in the middle of episodes in the show like this yeah, that could have been literal <laughs> in episodes they just kind of drop like like things that you think would happen at the very end of an episode to be the hook for the next episode they'll drop something like that like midway through come on this like, isn't written be... by robert kirkman <laughs> what come on this isn't written by robert kirkman <laughs> but oh, like, just just like it. big character things of like oh wow they just dropped that 20 minutes into the episode and it and it keeps you moving through but yeah and you've seen some of it in the trailers like we've seen the w parts of the whale scene though what makes me happy is that like that scene continues <laughs> there's like a whole yeah, there's much more to it yeah to that so even though you've seen pieces you haven't really seen oh, the we've seen thing. pieces yeah there's exactly lots of you ain't um, seen nothing yet um i mean but like this scene, a, oh i don't want to spoil it i just want you guys to react to this like there's two, there's two things that really uh, stuck with me that in like a uh, uncomfortable way. It, but like in a way the show delivered it, like it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that, but it makes sense they did that. One is, uh, I'll just say Homelander's special friend. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Yes. That's, 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 the, that's oh. the thing that has... And then, but the other one uh, it's is, when, in my is brain. like during a certain escape sequence when something gets like... Tangled yes. up. Oh my God! That show holds. I have not. I have not gotten to that yet, but I have been told so, about that by somebody else, and I. I think yeah, I know what you're talking about. This show holds and it's, nothing it's back. Scary. It is like, if you think that like whatever, if like you, I know people say like woke culture kills. <laughs> Kofi comedy. knows what you're talking about, by the way. He totally not see his face. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm just like getting myself prepared for this. How many times in comment sections you used to, or on Twitter, like the internet hate tank, do we see people who are like, oh, PC culture's killing comedy or whatever they yeah. want to say. This show. Not for Eric Kripke. Nothing no. off limits and it all yeah. works and it's tremendously successful. Nothing is killing comedy. Like it proves if you yeah. do it right, and it fits your tone of your show. It, yeah. 
it's gonna it's gonna fly. It's what just I, writing smart. Like it's the yeah. That's that's the difference. But it's, it's also not, like like none of it is just for the sake of being there. It all fits this tone and this yeah. world and this story. And of course, some of it is funny because it's so shocking. But that is the true to the tone of the show. One of the uh, so for for fans of the comics, um, I'm interested to see when when this is all like everyone's seen it, things like that. There is one big thing that they do not do that I feel like will shock people. And then there's another thing that I feel like people have been waiting for and like they deliver on that. Um, I will be interested to see how like fans of the comics react to those, but they're doing, we talked about it uh, last, last episode about like how they're seeding things for season three and like they, they're planting them really early and subtly and then they expect bound on them in a huge way they can run with it right so like all the stuff we were talking about the castings for season three uh and like lamplighter's whole part in this is really interesting and there's there they find ways to give even the smaller characters an arc and that's it's really impressive and, how they can yeah. even take a character who's really only in you know a couple of episodes and give them like a fully realized arc what i will say is i think um when we talked to uh, Anthony Starr about like Homelander's whole <laughs> being a father thing, um, that's, that's as like dysfunctional as you would expect it to be. Um, but I remember at the time him saying like, essentially like, you know, you might even leave with a, a little bit of empathy for the character. Uh, I don't know if I, I, I felt things. I felt things of like, so I mean, maybe you could say they were empathy, but like, I will be interested to see how people react to that. Cause that whole Rebecca, Billy, you know, Ryan and Homelander dynamic and Stormfront dynamic uh, at some point who, by the way, is like my favorite. Oh, she's, it's one of the best characters. She is amazing in this show. Um, both as a, like from a story perspective and then just from a character perspective, she's every time she's on screen. And especially her and Homelander on screen together. Every time, it's amazing. You've seen some of it in the trailers, but like, yeah. it's I great. Cash has been, I don't know if any of y'all watched Go the Worst on FX, but Aya Cash great show. was so good on that show. Yeah. And she just continues just that excellence right into this. And I, I really appreciate how you, how you put that, Matt, about um, like dropping seeds and really building to a larger story, but without being obvious about it. You know, we were talking about subtlety earlier, and like, <laughs> yeah, I think that this, <laughs> what we don't realize, like, what we don't acknowledge, I guess, about Eric Kripke, you know, he's best known for doing Supernatural. He created Supernatural, which is very much a monster of the week. Every episode's kind of its own thing, and then there's some big stories. But those early seasons of Supernatural, when they had all the stuff with their dad, that was some of the best, like planting a seed and just being patient and not revisiting yeah. it for 10 episodes. But then as soon as it comes around, it's stuck with you so much that you know exactly what's happening. Yeah. And I think that that was a really a skill we don't give Eric Kripke enough credit for from Supernatural. And he really just expounds on it with the boys. It, it's very, very apparent. It's it's really, really excellent way of, of storytelling. And I, I, I've been blown away by it. I haven't finished the season like you guys have. Um, but of what I've seen, I'm, I'm five episodes, six episodes in now, and I'm, I'm very, very impressed with just how this show continues to be as good as it is. I mean, we're 18 episodes, 20 episodes, whatever in now, and it's, it's still fantastic. It's excellent. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know about Brandon, but like, I binged it. 
Like I binged the whole yeah. the whole thing. So and yeah, I too, just I had like a deadline to meet, so I watched the whole thing. Um, and I mean, like I, I loved it. Like I, yeah. I just like and I love the commentary, like the the snarky commentary it makes about some of the things we see like on the news today, like and, and in our Twitter feeds today. It is just so smart. Like it's 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 I I. I I think it's a great show. I think people are going to love it. And I'm actually like, as much as I'm happy, I saw it uh, ahead of time. Um, I I'm very excited that it's going to drop like week by week because we'll be able to have these conversations with people. And you all know, I love talking to, to everybody, to our readers and to our viewers. Like it's my favorite part of all this. So the fact that on a weekly basis, we'll be able to talk about this. Like, I think that's awesome. And it's only going to help the show grow. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Is that it? So, in other words, check out the boys because you you got nothing better to do for fall TV season right now. So, Amazon Prime Video next weekend, first three episodes, and then it goes weekly. So, we'll be discussing weekly here because um, it sounds like we're going to have a lot to talk about. So, uh, strap in for that. Strap on. I'm trying to remember where three ends up because that's where I'm like, like what we're all going to talk about that first week. Well, I don't know, but it feels like so we're going to see something. Remember. But um, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Convict Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always, especially during this quarantine arc while we're just trying to uh, keep our sanity with some good content. If you're just now getting into the show, we just put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe and uh, listen there. Or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Google Playlist. You can also tell an Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast and it will start playing for you. If you want to talk to any of us, you can always find us at the hashtag comic book nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Brandon Davis BD. And I'm at Charlie Ridgely. And if you are liking the show, we have a closet full of awesomeness. You know, if you can see me right now, this comic book nation merch. So we need to get rid of it and keep that budget up. So when we get back in the studio, we need to get rid of a lot of t-shirts and we give them away to people who leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will read your review on the show and probably just start sending them out anyway because uh, we need to get rid of some scripts. <laughs> and uh, we don't have all the time in the world. But uh, that's it. That'll do it for Comic Book Nation. We hope you guys are enjoying and staying healthy, staying checked in, and uh, finding some great content to enjoy out here. We'll be here for you next time and see you again. Peace. Deuces. <laughs>